You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys, Paul here, and today we're joined by Gene Hammett from leadersinthetrenches.com. He's a keynote speaker, podcaster, he's been featured in Forbes, NBC, the Huffington Post, an entrepreneur, just to main, name but a few. Uh, and some notable guests on his podcast has been John Lee Dumas, Chris Ducker, and my colleague and co-host, Phil McGrath. Gene, how are you doing? How are you? Fantastic. How are you guys? Great. Yourself, Phil? Yeah, listen, it's always good when Gene's around. Uh, we, we we haven't had a, had a good uh, interview session in a while. It's nice to be on the other side of the microphone, I might say, for a change, Gene. Well, I, I'm ready for it because, and I enjoy being on the other side of the microphone too, because with my podcast, I think I've interviewed about 190 people so far. Yeah, we're close to that 200 mark. Anything special planned for that coming up? You know, I, you just said that I thought of that I should do something special, but I haven't really been planning. Um, what's got me off a little bit, and maybe we'll talk about that is I'm actually about two months ahead on my record. So I guess I should think about that, even though it's it's a while it's a while off. Yeah, I think that's something certainly we'll uh, we'll be, we'll touch out along the way about the process and, and when it comes to creating so much content like you do, how you get it all done and the processes you use. Um, I suppose really for people who may not be familiar with Gene Hammett and Leaders in the Trenches, you might just give them a little background about where you started and uh, what you're kind of up to these days. Well, I can definitely do that, but and thanks for having me on the show to share my. St- story and my journey with your audience. Um, I haven't always been a content marketer. (laughs) In fact, I um, started in corporate America doing what I was told to do, but I, it was all for a purpose of actually getting the skills to run my own business. I was an entrepreneur at heart. 2001 started my own business uh, from just an idea and leveraging some of the stuff I was doing in corporate America and e-commerce um, at the time, 2001, e-commerce was really fresh and new. And so I created yeah. this business and just, it took off. I was really surprised at how well it took off. I did a couple of million that first year in, in sales. But then when I did my taxes, you guys, I don't know what you call them there. <laughs> taxes have yeah, caused problems yeah. before, all right. I call them a pain I, in the arse, but anyway. <laughs> I can tell you this. I sat down and and... and and I don't know if I cried, but I was really upset because I went from this high paying corporate job and I made $30,000 that first year. And so, you know, a couple of million in sales to make 30,000, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, my fiance, now my wife said, do you know what you're doing? Um, so I hired a business coach and I, and I had to change the way I approached my business. I had to change some of the things I was doing. One of the key questions behind that was, who are your most profitable customers? Which is a really good question, don't you think, for to know about your business, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, you really need to keep an eye on all parts of your business. And we know some people get sucked in and they spend a lot of time working in their business instead of on their business. And I mean, in terms of understanding the bottom line, because let's be honest, it's a business. We're not in this for charity. You know, you're in business to try and make some money and make a better life for you and your family and do the kind of things you want to do. And Or maybe it's just that little bit of extra freedom that you're not stuck in corporate America. Um, so you can afford to take a few extra days here or there, or a couple of hours in the afternoon, maybe to spend time with the family. But I mean, if you're not looking at the bottom line and knowing where your money's come from, what's the point? Well, I definitely had to learn that the hard way. 
and it took me a few years to figure it out. And I, and I started to, to, to really grasp that whole concept of running a business and the right marketing, the right sales. And I took that to over 5 million in sales and I was making a very comfortable living. I was rocking and rolling. I was the leader in, in one segment of my market. And then one day, and I think, I don't know if you know this, uh, Phil, but I lost it all. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay, 2010, lost everything and decided to um, completely start over from scratch with literally less than nothing. I lost all my savings, lost my house, lost my business, lost my self-confidence. Um, I could go deeper there, but I'll, I'll keep it on the, the, the adult level, um, <laughs> family friendly. But um, I thought about you know, where I can make a difference in this world and really where can I serve and add value. And I remember that coach that guided me to find my most profitable customers that I couldn't, fi- I couldn't find it on my own. So I became a coach. And five years ago, I started the journey. And it's been a long journey. And ever since I've gotten in this business, I realized how important content was, how important it was to write it to a specific buyer, not in a general sense. And I'm sure we'll probably dig into this here. But um, now I coach uh, business owners and leaders. I say powerful leaders because I really want to work with people that are already successful, that are looking to take it to that next level, whether it be influence, impact, or income. I help them get speaking gauges, be thought leaders. I help them really position themselves to grow their business. I'm pretty proud. I have a couple of clients over the last year that have added more than $500,000 in revenue to their business, which is pretty freaking cool for for me as a business coach. None too shabby, Gene. None too shabby at all. Yeah, it wasn't just one. I actually had two, and I've had quite a few others that are have built a solid business based on the work we've done. But having two that are really, you know, pace themselves out to have million-dollar businesses um, just from working with me over the last year has been pretty fantastic. Well, I'm I'm going to butt in because obviously, Jim, we, 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 we know each other a little while and I think you're being far too modest. And certainly for anyone who's looking for inspiration to, and not kicking the backside to get them going. And certainly after everything you went through, Jane, and you go back as far as 2010 and pretty much having to reinvent yourself, I would say, you know, go and have a look at Jane's site, see what he's doing. Maybe it's not quite what you're looking for at this moment in time, but just go and look at what Jane has achieved and what he's doing. And you can't help but be amazed. And I commend you for it. And I know we, we spoke about this um before. It's 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 a phenomenal, it's like Phoenix from, Phoenix from the Flames kind of story, Jane. Um, and the amount of content you're creating, you know, when we look, we look at your site, obviously we know you've got the, the Leaders to Trenches podcast, but you're also blogging, you're, you're writing your own content then because you're, you're speaking gigs and you're also teaching people how to get more speaking gigs. I mean, first and foremost, let's, let's kind of dig a little deeper into, into how you plan um, this vast uh, content empire that you're building. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, I, I know, I know certain people that they, they have to write maybe two blog posts a week and they get overwhelmed. How do you cope with being able to produce so much content on, on such a regular basis? Um, you know, there's, that's a big question. And I, I, I welcome that question because I don't get it very often. It, it is. And there are a lot of people that will complain about you when you mention that they have to write a blog. Um, so I, I'm, I feel for you there, Phil. <laughs> the, the way I do this is, um, I mean, there's a whole foundational element to this that we can, we can talk about if you want to, 
but to, to just how do I plan the day to day? Um, you know, the podcast, in order for me to produce that kind of content, I knew that I couldn't do it all myself. Um, I think the first two or three episodes I did, and I quickly realized that wasn't my zone of genius. So I didn't want to be inside my business. I wanted to be truly running it and doing what I do best. So I was pretty clear to get a team of people together. I have an audio engineer that does the audio portions. I have someone that does the images. I have someone that does the the show notes and the, the, anything that relates to the words. And when I rec- hit record and I put my stuff together, I put it in a Dropbox. I don't even think about it again. It, my team just picks it up and runs with it. Everything soup to nuts, publishing, the social media aspects, everything gets put out there without me even looking at it. And that's pretty cool. I think that's really, really powerful stuff there. And is it the case then, do you kind of have a set outsourcing team then in play and that you're using the same people all the time? Or at the start, did you use different people or how did you, how did you find them and get the I've, process I've, going? I've changed a little bit from the very beginning. Um, I've got referred to some people in the beginning um, they didn't work out as well as I wanted to. I, I, I had a pretty good run with most of them, but I have, um, since then gone directly to the source. I have, um, a project manager in place for my podcast and my, and my whole business actually. And she runs everything. She runs the audio. She runs the show notes. She runs everything. So, um, I don't plan on changing the project manager anytime soon, but the other people around that could change. And now she knows so much about the business. I could just make a task for her where she just would find me as someone else that did it. Uh, excellent. I mean, that's that's really, really interesting stuff. And I think one thing that I suppose from our experience we found is that you have to be very, very clear with your instructions and when you're outsourcing anything and then finding good people and holding on to them can be quite important. Um, having, a, I suppose, a project manager or, you know, assistant like that, that's something that we haven't embraced. That may be something for us to have a look at there, Phil. Um, <laughs> as as regards um, your podcast itself, obviously it, it's very, very popular and you've had some great guests on there. Um, how do you go about planning the, the questions for it? Is it a case, is it just randomly having conversations or do you have any set questions or set topics or anything that you like to, to bring up? I, I'm almost going to ask you, does it seem like it's planned out? Um, you know, there are I'm, I'm going I'm to refrain from answering because I've been <laughs> on the other end. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, I really want the organic conversation. I want the ability to go deeper in certain areas to really get that, that golden nugget, if you will. Um, than just having a set framework for every episode. Um, that goes to say that I don't, with every episode, I'm not doing a ton of research, but I do want to understand something specific that the reason why they're on the show. I do want to have a theme for the show, if you will, that I plan to come around and talk about. And so that w- that's really important for me as I'm framing it yeah. together. And then one of the things, I don't know if this is different for the way I do this, but I tell every audience, even if they've been on the show multiple times, I will describe who I see the audience as. Because I really think if you're writing content, you're creating podcasts or anything, my guests may not know. So I'm going to bring them back into this moment where I tell them, this is who I see will receive this. So that when you're answering, you're answering to that person not to just the world in general. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's a massive thing, Gene. I mean, and again, I hate to keep harping back, but we spoke about that, about having that avatar, having that key, whether it's a key customer, or even if you're literally on, pretend that you're on one end of the telephone to one person, and these questions that are being answered are specifically for them to speak directly to them. And that allows you to stay on point and get the message of your content across. Because if you're a little bit wishy-washy about who it's for, well, then the message is going to be wishy-washy and it's not going to quite have the impact. You can't have a cast all net on every piece of content because if you if you try and hit everyone, you will get nobody. And I think obviously you understand that very well. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, I didn't realize how important that whole concept was when I first started this journey of podcasting. Um, and I do other things like, re, you know, writing and, and whatnot and videos. But I had so many of my guests, successful people came back saying, you can't be all things to all people. And I I haven't figured out how to put that into a book title because I, I, I just everyone says that so much. Um, but it really is so true when it comes to content that you, you've got to really know who you're writing to because the, the watered down version gets ignored so easily. Whereas the specific version in my, the way I like to describe it, it polarizes the audience. It tells them exactly who it's for and who it's not for. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, and with that, like how did you, I suppose, in the sense niche down and decide who, who your perfect, um, I suppose, your perfect audience is or, or was, you know, in that sense. So obviously you've got your, your clients who you would work with um, and is are they they're the people you're trying to reach um, specifically with all your content or do you uh, have one or two other different type of audience members who you, you cater different content to? Paul, that is such a hard question to answer. Um, that's, why and, we, that's why we have them. <laughs> It, it, it is such, this is, this is the breaking moment for everybody that's listening in here because um, I actually am very good about helping other people figure out who that uh, target is, who that niches is. And I, and I can describe um, what, that, what I mean by that. But it's really hard to do it for yourself because um, there's an emotional attachment that we all have to the people that can benefit from what we have to offer. An example, I'll use my business as an example, I'll lay myself out here, is I'm a really good, I'm a great business coach. I'm a really powerful, I can work with any business owner in any stage of development, beginners, you know, people that have been in business for 50 years, and I can help them fine tune that so that they get tremendous growth. But the reality is I can do that. So I'm emotionally attached to who all I can do support, but I can't market to all of them. So what I actually do for my clients, and it's been really hard to do this for myself. So I'll kind of give you an idea of the way I describe it is there's the, the entire target market is that outer ring of the bullseye. And that's the people that you can serve. Those are the people that, that, you know, you, you, you could focus your business right there and stop. But I think there's an inner ring to that, which is called the niche. The niche is the people that have a much higher need for what you have. They have a, a, it's a better fit, if you will. And then I think even inside that niche, there's the bullseye. The center, the sweet spot is the profitable niche. 
that is the one person, the avatar, that gets the highest value from what you have to offer. I'll say that again. They get the highest value from what you have to offer. If you can figure out that one person and market to that one person, you can really knock it out of the park with your content, with your offers, with the way you speak about your business and the way you serve within your business because you have a level of depth that other people can't match. I get pretty excited about this. Yeah, listen, I'm loving this already. Um, and just on that, Jane, I'm going to ask you this question. I have a feeling I already know the answer. But what you've said there, you're, you're, you're on the money. You're 100%. But just how difficult when you're starting is it to make that decision that, you know what, I know there's customers in that outer circle. I know there's customers in, in that bullseye. But I'm only going after the sweet spot. And you're kind of thinking, am I leaving money on the table behind me here? I, it is, it is so hard. I get it. I get it. I'm in that same battle with people every day. I have to, when I do this work with my own coach, I'm in that battle. Um, I'll give you a a story though, because it's the best way you can kind of relate to this. I had a client of mine, he's actually a good friend of mine. And he was like, he's been blogging for 18 months. And he said, no one is signing up. He had pretty good traffic numbers, but he wasn't getting anybody on his, his email list, so to speak. And so I just asked the question, who are you writing to? And he said, small business owners. And it was just really broad and, and, and yeah. not specific. And in fact, I kind of joke and say, well, if you're right, if you're say that you do business with small business, it's usually you just saying you'll do business with anyone that will do business with you. <laughs> I really, I, there's, a, there's a sense of humor in there, but you know what? There's a deadly message also. Uh, I, yeah. like, I, I like and, that. And it's a trap. It's, it's, it's a complete trap. Whereas what I did with Jason, uh, and Jason was on my podcast, episode six and episode like 124 or something. And recently he's one of the guys who has added like 50,000 a month to his business. So how did he do that? He got hyper-specific on who he was writing to, who he created any piece of content. He knew exactly who he was writing it to. And in his world, it was digital agencies that were between three and 10 employees, and they really were looking to get to a million dollars. And all of those things, if you think about it, are a yes or no. They're not, um, what's what's the, the... Enchanted leaders. Yeah, yeah. There's right? no, um, there's no ambiguity there. You either are or you aren't. It's, it's right. very black and white, and and that's the thing I think that that a lot of people, when it comes to creating content, need to bear in mind that it's, you know, the pages or the the letters you put on the page have to be as black and white as the message you're trying to get across within them. And if they're not, you're missing the mark. Terrific. Um, or let me back up and say that again. Specific is terrific. Yeah. And, and, and it. It, it, it's, it is hard. Like I'm going to, I'm going to well, be I'm going to, I'm going to push you even further yeah. now. So yeah, push me. You, you obviously have to be very specific about the, the audience that you're, you're, you're catering to and you're servicing. And obviously that's that sweet spot. You're looking to hit time and time again. When you're creating that content, what are the key factors that you, you bear in mind to keep you on point, to make sure that you don't stray from the sweet spot, that you don't leave the gate open and let a few strays in? Well, this is what I like to do with my clients. And I, and I say this when they're, I'm helping them with speeches 
or when I'm helping them kind of plan out a podcast that maybe they're launching. I have seven uh, clients right now that have podcasts. Um, or whether they're they're doing some kind of video or anything like that is is to get really specific to who they're writing to and to what problem they're solving. You can't solve too many problems with too many you know things. It's not like um, you can just be all things to all people that we said earlier. And so one of the filters that you want to be able to to use is when that one person reads what you have or they hear your speech or they hear your podcast, will they say me too? Will they say he gets me or she gets me because they read that? And if they don't, if they, if they are like, well, maybe you've just lost them. You've completely lost. If you cannot say yes or no, that that will be me too. There you go. I think it's the first time we've actually had a silence on the podcast of all the ones we've done. So fair play to you there, Gene. Yeah, I, um, I, I think that deserved a moment just to let it sink in. Um, and, but that's, and that's the truth of it, Gene. That's the, the big thing. It, it, you've got to keep that point and you've got to go at it. And it, every day that you stray from that is a day you've lost. Yeah. So, and if, if you're not strong enough in your own point of view, if you're not strong enough in the, what you believe and where you're going to stand out and be different, then you're going to be seen just like everyone else. And they lump you into this, this little group over here. And everyone that's in that group gets compared with pricing. Now, I know some businesses are different than others, but you don't want to be compared with a bunch of other people. You want to truly be in a category all by yourself. And that's, that's one of the most powerful things. And I think that if when you're clear about that and you do, you do that within your content, you can really build a powerful business because I've seen it happen over and over and over. And I've seen the flip side, the people that are very generic, just struggle and stress and wonder why nobody's paying attention and no one's listening. I think there's a, there's a lot of really good points there. And I mean, obviously finding that, that higher value client to, ser to service. I mean, certainly in my own experience is, you know, the higher value, the service that you're providing, you know, the less and less price or cost actually comes into it because people can see the value whereas at the lower end when, I suppose when we've tried to service that end of things and probably the the outer ring is as you've mentioned it was people you know haggling over price in some cases and you know being a being a nightmare to service in some situations where you're kind of just there going you know higher value more targeted clients makes a whole lot of sense and I think what's what's quite interesting is the fact that you kind of I suppose you're, you're pushing people to be honest to themselves and to push themselves to the next level. And obviously a key thing with, with your website is you have your manifesto on it. Um, is this something that you would recommend people to to actually put together for themselves um, or uh, their own way to to kind of do business by? You know, the manifesto that's on my website, which you can go to leadersinthetrenches.com and find that. And you can really, I think you could read that and really get a feel for what I believe in. You guys get that sense? Yeah, I like the honesty of it. And also the, the way it's it actually, it, it's, it is text, but it's, it's, it looks like a poster for a concert or something. It's, it's very, you know, grabs your attention. And I mean, just being brave enough, being, you know, you know, your inner critic is an asshole. And obviously you've got that in a couple of places across the site. And, you know, small things like that does give a flavor as to like, there's no messing around here. We're actually here to be serious. And you know, none of this kind of airy fairy niceness about it. Look, this is how things are. So 
I, I think it really does give a flavour. And also, I suppose, maybe slightly tainted by the fact I've listened to a number, a good number of your podcasts at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I can see that from it. I can see the, you know, your, your own character coming through from it. That, that's such a powerful line in that manifesto. Um, this, your inner critic is an asshole that I decided to take the core essence of some of my best interviews with, with really powerful guests and I pulled out some quotes and then I put together my own um, questions to help you deal with your inner critic because the inner critic is what stops you from taking those next steps and keeps you playing the status quo game. And I think that anybody who really stops me from having what I want and the life I want, the business I want is a complete asshole. And I know it's strong, but it's meant to be strong. It's meant to wake you up and, um, so I created that CD and it's actually for free on my, my website. Uh, and it's been a really big hit when I actually hand out CDs to people when I go to events. Um, I love that line and you picked up on it beautifully. I mean, that's obviously a, a huge thing, you know, is having the inner strength and the confidence to say, you know what, I'm not here to accept what you want to give me. I think I deserve better for this and I'm going to push through till I get where I think I should be. And obviously by getting there, I'm going to have to put in the hard yards. There's no messing around as Paul was saying. We're not here just to, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to quote Conor McGregor. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. And having that mentality about you on the days, especially where if you've got to create that piece of content um, and you're just not feeling it, you got to ask yourself the question, well, what am I here for? What is the point in this? I'm here to do this and do it this way and just give yourself that kick in, kick in the backside to get going again. I mean, I, I, as I said, we've created content for many different platforms across many different, um, many different niches, I suppose. And we've worked with a lot of big publishers and broadcasters. And that's the one thing we've been through with all. We know there's those down days where it has to get done because it's not just your audience. We've you're also being, uh, contracted to produce excellent content for a third party and it has to be on point it has to be what they ordered and it has to be done and unless you can give yourself that kick to get it done it's just not going to happen you're going to fade you're going to stumble it's not going to be of the quality that they've come to expect from you and you're either going to lose your client or your reputation is going to be so so badly dented that you won't get any more clients absolutely and you gotta you gotta take a stand because if you're not willing to take a stand, then you're not going to attract the right people to you. Uh, and as hard as that is for for beginners, because we talk, we started this whole conversation about you know when you're starting out, um, it 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 is just it's the essence of you being successful fast and not just wallowing in something and and being able to take a quick pivot if it's not working out, how to make that quick change. But yeah. you won't know that if you're trying to be too broad. Exactly. And I mean, but these are the harsh lessons, Jim. I mean, we, we've we been there, um, some more than others. Um, but we, we've we learned the hard way through many years and, you know, many, many broken keyboards, as it were, and, and trying to get pushed through that to get to where we are. Um, And if we can inspire people and tell them and show them that it's possible to get through all that. But this is these are the, the, the coping mechanisms nearly or the tools you need to have in place to get through that. Well, then hopefully they can get through that quicker than perhaps we might have when we were when we were hitting those brick walls and and coming up against that uh, that inner doubt or your inner your inner critic who's, who's clearly an asshole, you know, Um, obviously we're pushing up for time. 
Um, and I have a couple of more questions. And I mean, obviously, we've spoken about content and how important it is to be laser focused when you're when you're creating your message to your audience. But one of the big things that we find, and I'm sure you'll agree, is that the relief that comes from when you've created a piece of content and it's done, and you think, "Great, that's off my plate." I have crafted a beautifully written piece of content or a great looking video with some some very very powerful visual aspects that's really going to get the message home and, and grasp my audience attention but the hard yards really come once that's done it's the promotion and getting eyes on it i mean the the analogy of field of dreams always springs to mind and it's not the first time i've said it on the podcast if you build it they will not come you need to tell them it's there so i mean and to, for you what does that process look like when when it comes to promoting your latest piece of content how, how do how do you best like to do that all right. That's another fantastic question, you guys. You're, you're really throwing some good stuff here because once you create it, everyone like thinks your job's done. Oh, no. And that's the easy you, part. <laughs> that, that is the easy part. Um, your job is to have created something that's so valuable that it's shareable and that people want it, that they want to tell others about it. And you've got to be so proud of it from a value standpoint that you're proud to tell others about it. Um, a lot of people don't want to send emails to people thinking that, oh, well, I'll just, I don't want to interrupt them or I don't want to send them something that they don't need. But if you, with this speaking, I, I did, I recently, let me just walk you through the kind of, I did something recently for speaking. Um, the, it was really born from the fact, or the fact, you act like I can't speak today, but it was really <laughs> born from the fact that um, I have built my business based on speaking on bigger stages. I've got a note right in front of me. I'm looking at this postcard that I wrote about five years ago. It says the three factors to getting big stages. And I keep it right here on my desk. And I just, I just noticed it the first time. Um, it's something I wanted to do years ago. So I did it. I figured out that's, that's one way I was sharing my content. This was before my podcast. This is before I was really becoming an influencer. I knew I would do this. So when I started attracting clients, they started asking me, they would find me from speaking gigs and they said, how can I do that for my business? So I started showing them, started getting some success and I could go through some details, but I've had some amazing success stories in this area and some of them first time speakers. But I decided to create some content that would, would allow me to talk about how to get more speaking gigs. And so I created an infographic. I put a lot of work into writing it. I had an editor go through and edit it because I have someone on my team that edits all my written stuff. You should never edit yourself. <laughs> um, it's just impossible. You've just, you've just saved me another question. <laughs> yeah. And so the when I did that, um, I, I like to think of, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I like to think of, I'm going to put that much work into something. How can I use it in multiple channels? How can I really use this to maximum impact? So I created an infographic and then I wanted to create um, a video that walked through the infographic that people could watch and I could actually explain it to them with more depth. And then I created um, a webinar around that. I created slides from the infographic and I really just sliced up the infographic and put them into slides and just talked about them. And then I created a podcast episode, and then I created um, some other things I've done. And then that was just the, that was the, the content I created. Then I went to the next level and say, how can I use this? Well, I can get booked on places to talk about this. 
I can share it with my clients. I can run Facebook ads to it. I can do all this stuff to get more people to see it. And I can get on telesummits. I can speak about it on stage. So all of these things. I actually created a CD that I went to a, an event, a live event for, and I handed out the CD on seven steps to get more speaking gigs. And it's all based on what I've, all of this stuff, just repurposing. And that's the one way I get myself out there. That is just amazing, Jane. And I mean, I for for those those of our listeners who've been listening to some of our some of our previous episodes will know I'm a big fan of that. It's all about finding different ways to use that one piece of content. You've spent the time, you know, molding this into what you want it to be. Don't just have it fit for one purpose. Find out where else can I do this? If it's just a video, okay, well maybe I can just pull the audio from the video and release that as a standalone audio. You know, it, it, the work is already done but you can put it out into different mediums and it will quadruple the, the amount of work return nearly that you're putting into it because, and it also, you know, the more platforms that you get it out to, it suits more of your audience and you can get a bigger section of an audience, but it's still laser focused because we know that that's the way the content was created. So you're still aiming for that sweet spot just across different platforms like your podcast, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it might be, it's the one piece of content just made fit for purpose for that platform. And it is an amazing value to have and something that I wish I had learned a lot sooner because it was different pieces of content for different platforms, which meant it was more time to create and even, never mind creating, even brainstorming those ideas to figure out what you're going to put in those different platforms. By the time you got around to actually creating them, my, my brain was dead. I yeah. used up all my great ideas in coming up with the ideas, not necessarily what was going to be contained within that content. And that's fantastic. Gene, that's seven steps to, uh, to to getting more speaking gigs. Where can we get a look at that? Well, it's on my website. You can go to leadersinthetrenches.com forward slash seven steps. So the number seven, S-T-E-P-S. And uh, there's a little video that kind of explains something there. And as soon as you opt in, um, I'll, I'll tell you in advance, there's a little opt-in there because I, there's a few more pieces behind that that add to that benefit. And if I don't have your email address, you can't get them and find them. So I have things like um, seven places where you can speak in your city. I have a speaker toolkit. So I have a lot of things that kind of go with that if you really want to use this. And that way I can actually drip it out to you as a part of my whole process. That's fantastic. We'll, um, we'll pop pop that uh, url in the show notes anyway so don't worry about yeah. scrambling for a pen um it's fantastic and again it's a great lesson to be learned about how one idea for a piece of content can spawn nearly a whole series yeah that's it's really interesting i think there's, there's probably one more you know one more question just to add to that which is kind of come to mind and um, Tim Ferriss, he often speaks about when he gets uh, articles for his blog, he's focusing on having them there for maybe a period of between 12 to 24 months for people to still kind of find his site and find him as such. Um, but just wondering, with that great content that you put together, um, I mean, as it starts to age and maybe becomes some of your older content, um, how do you repurpose it? What's your plan behind behind doing that? I've noticed you, you do a little bit on Twitter and some other formats, but I'm just wondering what, what the thinking behind it is or what the strategy is behind it. Well, I, th I think that um, if you're creating content that's valuable today, that most of that's probably evergreen, meaning it's valuable in a year from now or beyond. So one of the strategies we have with, within my team is 
to really take, it's mostly with podcast. So I will take a guest, and Phil, you've probably seen this since you've been on the show a long time ago, is we'll retweet that episode out to our audience. And it, you, it may come through every quarter. It may th- be twice in every quarter, but I'm recycling and repurposing, uh, letting people know about that. Because let's imagine that not everybody heard it the first time. There's still a lot of people out there that could benefit from that interview and they could be looking for it in the social channels and we want to be available to to share that message. Yeah, and that's that's fantastic. It's not being afraid to put it out into the social channels more than once. You know, if for instance, uh your Facebook reach is you know, your post might only be seen by 10% of your audience. So that's 90% of the people who've liked your page may not have seen that. Don't be afraid to share it again because you're denying them the opportunity to read your great content. Don't forget, you're doing them a favor by sharing your knowledge with them and trying to help them along the way. So don't be stingy with it. Let Keep shouting from the rooftops and keep letting them know it's there. Because if you don't tell them it's there, they may not find it and they could miss out. And that's that's it's, it's sad in a way because you've spent so much time doing it. The idea is to help people and that's what you need to be doing. And I love the fact that, Gene, you still do that. I still get notifications from mentions and tweets and stuff like that when you've been on and promoted the episode of my podcast or your podcast that I was on. Um, and I'm still, even people getting in touch, you know, love the podcast that uh, really liked what you had to say about the content creation and the three key principles of content creation that we spoke about that day. And I'm even people are following me after you tweet that out We're I'm getting followers into me. Um, and you know, it all siphons true and they're ping, picking up things from you. They find me, they're picking up stuff from me. They're going to find someone else that perhaps we're going to have, we have on the show. They're going to pick up something from them. It's all about sharing around and not being selfish, but not being afraid to push it out there. As long as you're not pushing the same tweet day after day after day or the same Facebook update day after day, it, it it's not bad. It, it won't do you any harm. And I think that's a big misconception that people have. Yeah. You know, I can't remember who said this, but if people paid attention to our content as much as we think they do, then we we would all be rich. <laughs> Very and, true. And, you know, if if you're worried about putting out something on Twitter for for. I mean, it's so noisy there. This is another reason why we must be very specific because if you're just bland, you are completely ignored and you don't get any any kind of response from that. But when you're specific, you tend to to get more attention. Um, so that's a strategy I like to use in the promotion of content whenever I can. Uh, Jane, it's fantastic. Uh, again that's there's just so much in here i I think we could probably talk for another hour about many more other topics um but i think we've taken up enough of your very valuable time and thank you again for uh coming on the show and sharing um all those uh golden nuggets of information with our audience i'm sure there's going to be plenty of people out there that are going to glean a lot from it um, and i suppose before we go if anyone else wants to uh, get in touch with you maybe drop you a tweet or or uh, shoot you a message on facebook about this podcast episode or about any of the stuff you're going on and obviously we'll have a link to leaders in the trenches in the show notes but where can they get a hold of you uh you know i'm on facebook you can find me at gene hammett or you can find me at leaders in the trenches uh twitter is actually pro- probably pretty easy for anybody to find it's just at gene hammett uh g-e-n-e-h-a-m-m-e-t-t and uh, love to, to let me know which of these you, you like, which just let me know, ask a question, whatever it may be. I'm here to serve. 
Um, I'm not here to sell you or convince you or persuade you. If I could help you in any way, and that's that would be a make my day. Great. Okay. Well, look, thanks very much for coming on, Gene. It has been an absolutely awesome podcast, as Phil says. And look, hopefully we'll have you again on again in the future sometime. Thanks very much. Well, let's rock it and keep keep creating content. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, Gene. Bye-bye. And that was the Gene Hammett episode of Content Academy. Really great guest. There was so much knowledge dropped in that. It was just really, really brilliant. Um, Phil, your inner critic is an asshole, huh? I always Who ever thought. I always knew he was. I always knew he was. Now I love that manifesto from Gene. Um, certainly something that not only can inspire others, but inspire him. You know, that's something he can refer back to. Um, you know, it's it's really kind of cool to see that he has that there and he's able to look at that and go, no. My inner critic is an asshole. I'm pushing through. I'm moving on. And obviously, Jane's story, having gone back in 2010 and lost everything to come back, as we said in the show, uh, and do what he does now, I just phenomenal. Yeah, and I, there's so much there. I mean, the one-page manifesto, you know, some people say, you know, carry a one-page business plan in your pocket. I know Peter Voog is a, is a fan of that. But um, when it comes down to it, um, all of that stuff, it keeps you on track and keeps you true and focused. And I think one thing that really, you know, hit home with me was don't be the guy who will say yes and do business with everybody. Do business with the right customers or the right people. And then, you know, you'll be able to give them better value and then you'll be compensated duly in return. And, and that is something which I think a lot of online businesses struggle with and certainly is, is a key takeaway from this show today. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something Gene spoke about himself. In fairness, he was brutally honest about it. It took him a while to 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 get get that point as well you know that he had to realize that he needed to to kind of really niche down in terms of the types of clients and customers he was after and he spoke about that real sweet spot that inner bullseye the sweet spot that he goes after and being very specific then when it comes to creating his content once he had that kind of laser fo focus and was specific about who he was going after he could tailor his content to suit that direct audience and they're the people he wants to work with yeah, and if you want to find out more about what Gene Hammond is up to and some of the great stuff he provides, it is on leadersinthetrenches.com. Yeah, um, I mean, Gene had that uh, seven steps to get more speaking gigs as well, which I think is worth looking at. Even if you're not looking for speaking gigs, just have a look at how Gene is putting together his content, how it's laid out, how it's written. It's very well done. Yeah, absolutely. Really well worth checking out. Uh, and as ever... If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and a comment because that really helps us. Thanks very much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.